0: Well, good morning, Merry Christmas. (laughs) Fantastic to see so many people in the room this morning. Good morning, if you're online, tuning in from wherever you are celebrating Christmas this morning, great to have you with us as well. It feels like just yesterday we were here. It was yesterday. Okay. Some of you weren't here yesterday, are you? No, I won't point out those. People, it's great, great to be in church on Christmas morning. Uh, What a great thing to do to celebrate Jesus and celebrate um, together the joy of Christmas. Uh, This morning, uh, we're not going to keep you for a long time, is the plan, uh, because there's obviously lots of sunshine to enjoy uh, today and uh, celebrations to be had, but we are looking at a little story in the, in the Christmas narrative of the wise men bringing gifts to Jesus. And last Sunday, um, I talked a little bit about the gold, uh, that the wise men brought gold and that represented Jesus as our King. And then yesterday we talked about, what do we talk about, kids? Frankenstein. Not Frankenstein, frankincense. Frankincense, which represents the priestly nature of Jesus. And this morning we're going to talk about myrrh. So let's read our scripture in Matthew chapter 2, verses uh, verses 10 to 11. It says this, When they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. Entering the house, these are the wise men, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshipped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for this morning and for your word. And God, we pray and uh, ask that you would speak to us clearly this morning. God, we want to celebrate with you. We want to celebrate Jesus and, um, and lift him up together. And so, God, we pray that your presence might be known and your voice might be heard this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Anyone open their gifts already this morning? Give us a wave. if you opened your gifts? Oh, some kids have definitely opened their gifts. All, have all your gifts been opened yet or you've still got a few to go? Are you someone that when you give gifts, if you're giving more than one gift, do you give your best gift first or... Do you save the best one for last. All one time. Last? All one time. Well, all at one time. Yep. I mean, that was my kids this morning, just like. Whew. It was just paper everywhere. Um, when it comes to the three gifts that the wise men brought gold, I'm not sure if they actually gave them in this order, but this is the way they recorded gold, frankincense, and myrrh. On the surface, it looked like the best present was first, because I mean,. Frankincense is a nice perfume and oil, gold is obviously gold, Uh, it's worth a lot of money. And myrrh, well, myrrh is like a gum-like resin from a tree, Um, sticky sort of stuff that maybe is on the surface not the best gift, especially for a toddler. Um, Probably at this stage when the wise men turned up to give Jesus the present, he was probably 18 months to two years old uh, by the time they got there. Uh, and so, I mean, we've got a two-year-old, and I would not give her a sticky-like gum uh, as a present uh, because, no doubt, I'll be cleaning it for the rest of my life out of our house. Um, but they gave myrrh as the third gift. And uh, while on the surface it made me, doesn't look like the best gift, I want to suggest that without this gift, without this um, symbolism of what this represents about Jesus, the rest is sort of... It's good, but it's, this is what grounds it and what cements it. And myrrh represents this idea that Jesus is our suffering servant, that he was born to die. So myrrh was used to sometimes as an anesthetic, you know, wine mixed with myrrh. I don't know if you know the story of Jesus when he's hanging on the cross and he's dying and he's offered uh, wine mixed with myrrh. And that's because it was sort of an anesthetic. it's trying to dull the pain but it was most commonly used as an ingredient to embalm the dead. And this should remind us of Jesus' death. Expensive and valuable, but reminding us that Jesus, our saviour, was born to die. So Jesus born in Bethlehem, if we think about the story in Matthew 2, um, wise men came. These were probably astronomers. They weren't they weren't kings, they were people who studied the sky and that's why they followed a star, uh, astronomers. Um, king Herod at the time is threatened by this new king that's been um, born somewhere in Jerusalem and um, he says, I, I'm going to kill all the, all the little boys that have been born over the last two years just to make sure that there's no king that will take over my kingdom because I want to be in charge. I'm the king. Uh, and so he says to the wise men, He tricks them. He says, "Go find uh, this new king, and then come back and tell me where he is, so I can go worship him too." Um, But the wise men cotton on uh, through a prophetic sort of dream or or sign that uh, that's not the case, and so they went uh, they went home a different way and dodged King Herod on the way back to where they come from. The wise men, these astronomers, followed this star in the east, and no doubt you've seen in activities, plays, and stories with kids carrying stars along and the wise men following this star. Um, And there's been plenty of um, sort of people that study stars, astrologers, I think they're called, scientists, that have looked at the timing of when Jesus was born and and what would have been in the sky at that time. And um, there's a good chance that it was a planetary conjunction between three different sort of planets, two or three different planets that were so closely aligned that it looked like one big star, one big bright star, and it would have occurred three times in the year that Jesus was born, I think May, August, and October, and so uh, this gives us a really good indication when you read the story that like, it's like the star is there, and then they follow, and then the the star appears again, and then they follow it, and the star appears again, settles over Bethlehem, and they find Jesus, and so even, um, and whether you want to look into that or not, but. Uh, it sort of gives us uh, an indication that these astronomers at the time were, did I call them astrologers before? Astronomers? Yeah, you know what I mean. Astronomers. Good ones. Uh, looking uh, at, the, at the sky, state the sky, would have noticed this phenomena and gone, that's unusual. That's not normal. So we need, a, we need to see what that's about. That's a sign for something. It was a prophecy that led them to Bethlehem where they saw that star appear again. And this represents, or at least uh, for me, this idea that these wise men, not necessarily Jewish guys, uh, their, their, their wisdom could lead them so far, but not far enough to um, understand who Jesus was. They needed, the Spirit ultimately enabled them to find Jesus. And you can see that in Matthew 2. If you read that whole scripture, it's, um, there's a, a prophecy is born in Bethlehem, and that's sort of what gives them, they get to Jerusalem and then it's like, oh, this is where we need to go, we need to go to Bethlehem. Uh, And the wisdom of this world began the search, but ultimately it was the Spirit who enabled them to find Jesus. These wise men, not necessarily three of them, bow down in worship, and they give these gifts, symbolic of who Jesus is and is going to be, even as a toddler. This baby is a king, he's a priest, and a suffering servant, a suffering servant born to die. You can imagine, I don't know I could... um, being a parent of Jesus and Jesus, oh, gold king, great. Frankincense priest, oh, cool. Oh, there. how oh, that one! Uh, it's not necessarily a great thing to be thinking about when it comes to Jesus, the, the birth of a child. But I want us to think about this: Jesus is to die. I told you that I could predict something that was going to happen seven hundred years from now. Would you believe me? Probably not. I can't. I'm not tending to. Um, this is a, a scripture Isaiah that was 700 years before Jesus was born, talking about who he would be, where he was born, and what he was born for. Uh, and I'm sure at the time, people who were like, expecting it the next day. Straight away, but 700 years ago, it happens. And so as Isaiah 53, we're not going to look at all these. But just a couple of them. It says this All of us have straight away left God's paths to follow our own. The Lord, the sins of us all. First, Isaiah passed like sheep. Now, that's a compliment. That's not something that you should go, Aren't I glad to be? I know there's people that love sheep. Even over lunch, you'll enjoy some sheep. Um, they're great, um, but in terms of like, from the animal kingdom, they're not necessarily the greatest animals. They're, um, from my understanding, weak, defenceless, um, not necessarily the sharpest tools in the shed. Sometimes they fall over and they can't even get back up themselves. I mean, some of us sometimes. Um, but sheep are not very bright. They tend to just do what all the other sheep do. Doing. And you even heard this phrase, I'm sure, don't be a sheep. Don't just follow what everyone else is doing. But Isaiah says, we're all like sheep. We're all a bit defenseless, not so bright. If your friend, and maybe your parents, you've said this to your kids before, if your friend was to go jump off a cliff, would you go follow if they're you know following their friends around doing something silly? If your friend was to do something like jump off a cliff, would you follow them too? You say no. Oh, there's a story back in 2005 of 1,500 sheep jumping off a cliff one at a time, doing, doing, doing. and the first 500 of them died, and the next thousand had a nice cushion uh, and survived. And that was in Turkey. But 1,500 sheep? Can you imagine this? This is a true story. Can you, can you imagine this? This just one sheep. I was like, watching this happen. It's like, no, stop, stop. But this is what we are like. This is what we are like. Sheep follow each other into danger. Sheep wander. They don't go, uh, they don't do great on their own. They get anxious. They get overwhelmed. They need assistance getting back to their flock. They need shepherds to guide them and sheepdogs to herd them. Yep. I was going to say sheepdog them, you know, grab them together. You know, in uh, Luke chapter 15, there's a story and a parable of the lost sheep. There's a hundred sheep and one gets lost and the shepherd has to go and find the sheep and bring it back. Because sheep, when they're wandering and when they're lost, they can't find their way back. They need to be part of the herd. And we are like this, Isaiah says, weak and defensive, not wise, bowing to the trends and the pressure of what is happening around. Wandering and getting overwhelmed, anxious, stressed as a result. Thus, it says in you know, Isaiah 53, says, like sheep straight away. We've left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord on him, the sins of us all. But look what happens in the very next verse, Isaiah 53, 7. It says, He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb, like a lamb. A lamb is a baby sheep, in case you're not sure, to the slaughter as a sheep is silent before the shearers. He did not open his mouth. 700 years before this happened, It was prophesied that one would come and die for the sins of the world. Not only that he uh, would come and take our sins, but he would become like you and I. He would become like a lamb, like a sheep. He would take place. A lamb slaughter. We are like sheep, and then he becomes like a sheep too, suffering instead of us. Part of Isaiah 53, it says this. It says he was destroyed and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. He thought his trust was a punishment from a punishment for his own sins. He pierced for our rebellion. Christ for our sins. He was beaten so we could, He was whipped so we could be healed. Understand the fullness, the severity of what Jesus has faced, what Jesus suffered for you. You can't follow him casually. He doesn't allow that. You understand that he is king, when you understand that he is priest, and when you understand that he is a suffering servant. You can't just say, Jesus is a nice idea. He doesn't allow you that. To death, this idea that he suffered, dies, crucifixion is what sets Christianity apart from every other religion. Christianity is the only religion where the prophet, where the God is known for his death. It's what separates us. Buddha, I don't know if you know anything about Buddhism, but he died as an old fat man from some sort of illness. Scholars seem to think food poisoning is what took him out. But he was remembered for his teachings, not his death. Muhammad, the prophet, died with his, with his harem, fever in his old age. Again, not remembered for his teeth. Jesus died at 72 as an old man, but for what he taught, not for his death. Jesus, he died 33 years old after just three years of ministry. Three years of walking around, sharing, miracles. Three years. That's shorter than when COVID started. Like, that's not very long. Three years, and yet he was so influential, and it was his death that we remembered for, his crucifixion. And he died a disgraceful death. The crucifixion the most horrid death that you could die. It's humiliating. It was, I read one, um, one commentary that said Romans weren't even allowed to be crucified. It was... It was you weren't even allowed to put a Roman on a cross. It was only reserved for the worst of the low, the worst of the worst. And this is our saviour. This is the king, the priest, and the suffering servant, the saviour. And this is what distinguishes the gospel, the good news that God loves you. He doesn't just bring about some good teachings, but instead he becomes one of us, suffering for us, understanding what it's like to be one of us. So this myrrh, this embalming existence, why? Because it foreshadows Jesus' death. In Luke 9, 2 and 23, it says, If the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things, he will be rejected by the, leaders, the leading priests, and the teachers of the religious law. He will be killed, but on the third day, he will be raised from the dead. And then he said to the crowd, If any one of you want to be a follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. All of your shortcomings, all of your failures, all of your selfishness, your hatred, your lust, your greed, it's all taken and nailed to the cross, to this Lamb of God. And then the invitation is to follow in your footsteps, to take up your own and to trust him instead. These three gifts, gold representing the king of kings. You know, there was plenty, there have been plenty of babies that have grown up to be kings over the years, but there's only ever been one king who's become a baby, and that's Jesus. Frankincense represents the priestly nature for Jesus. He stands in the gap. He's your advocate He takes your place. He is holy and perfect in your place. And this myrrh representing the suffering servant, that he becomes sin and takes the punishment once and for all. When you understand who Jesus really is, you can't be casual in your following of him. You either reject him like Herod, like the high priest at the time and like everybody else at the time, or you follow him. You trust him as your own king. You let him be your priest and take take your place and you trust him as your own savior. And so as the team come back up and we're going to sing one more song as we finish celebrating Christmas together this morning, I want you to think about this, that this Christmas day or any Christmas day or any day, the best thing that you could do is to take another look at Jesus. Take another look at Jesus. See who he really is. What it is he is asking of you. What he is he offers you. Because when you see who he really is, it changes everything. Everything for your life. Can we stand and pray together? Lord Jesus, we give you so much praise this morning. We thank you that you came to take our place. That you humbled yourself. Stepped down from heaven and were born helpless, dependent take on the sins of the world, to take on our sin, take on our shortcomings, and to deal with it once and for all. And so, Jesus, this morning we choose to worship you as our King, our Priest, and our Saviour. Lord God, we turn our hearts towards you again this morning, and amongst the busyness of presents and food and conversation and friends and family and all that happens today, we choose to take this moment to remember what it's all about, what it all symbolizes, and that is Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, dying in our place. We worship you this morning, Jesus. We give you praise for the joy that you bring to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, let's sing one more time.